Namaste everyone and a warm welcome to our viewers and listeners of the World Ayurveda podcast. I am Dr. Mahadevan Sitaraman, founder and CEO of Ayush Global. We are based out of Houston, Texas and involved in promoting Ayurveda and yoga in the West through Ayush Living. In this episode, we have with us Mr. Rajiv Vasudevan, who is the founder and CEO of Ayurveda Hospitals. He is the chair of the CII Ayurveda Group and co-chair of Ayush Sector Skills Council. He is also a key member of the core group involved in the Ayurveda Day celebrations marked by India Foundation's Center for Public Diplomacy and Soft Power. Warm welcome to you, Rajivji. Namaste, good morning, and uh, wonderful to be talking to you, Dr. Mahadev. Okay. So, Rajivji, you actually did your training in engineering and management, but somehow ended up becoming one of the prominent Ayurveda evangelists in the country. How did all of this happen? Well, you know, on the premise that uh, definitely I uh, call myself proudly an Ayurveda evangelist because I completely believe in the values uh, that Ayurveda stands for. But the journey into Ayurveda was quite uh, one of serendipity, you know, discovering the, the, the sheer elegance of a knowledge system. And uh, all along my career, you know, different stages of my career, post my engineering, post management, during management, etc., always the search was for professional endeavor, which would balance out with uh, which would balance out with uh, societal impact so always this uh, the search for something which uh, straddles both these uh, realms was very important and what uh, uh, my journey after being country head in motorola uh, over four years between 96 and 2000 took me to the kerala government to promote investment in information technology and later biotechnology into the state of kerala gave me an opportunity uh, very, very accidentally to look at how to use biotechnology, life sciences to validate Ayurveda, right? Because that was one of the ways that we thought we could attract investment in, into the state of Kerala. And the process of delving into the, the challenges of validating Ayurveda as a rigorous evidence-based system of medicine and, uh, you know, whether phytoceuticals, cosmoceuticals, etc., is the way to go. Uh, when we look at that entire opportunity, what struck me was that the, first of all, it is a very, very structured knowledge system. It is not just a bunch of grandma's remedies, and it has got treatments for the most serious ailments that, uh, that, that uh, ail the world, to, uh, the world today. So across the world, if you look at the predominant uh, healthcare burden that is there, we have that of non-communicable diseases, chronic diseases. In the US, it would uh, constitute almost 76% of the Medicare bill. In India, 66%, two out of three people die due to a chronic disease. It's a massive issue, no answer, and Ayurveda could really answer that. So this understanding that Ayurveda could have huge public impact at a much affordable cost. And I quickly want to touch that part, is that if you look at the capital investment in modern medicine today, right? In a country like, in a poor country like India, we are focusing on investment in quaternary care, tertiary care hospitals, where the cost per bed is of the order of 75 lakhs to one and a half crores, which could be 
you know as much as uh, let's say $150,000 or $125,000 to $200,000 per bed is the cost on the other hand in ayurveda you could set up a hospital which treats a person who steps out of the icu for some conditions at 5% of the cost 3% of the cost that's the huge disparity in, in a capital scarce economy like india to be able to do something which is of the huge public impact and good where scarce capital can be made to be spread across a larger number of people so i think there's a huge social good there is a huge economic necessity and the fact that ayurveda as a a paradigm of systems thinking applied to the health of human beings and when you look at systems you're looking at human being and the environment so environment includes every environment social economic political everything you could bring into the definition of environment if you look at man and environment ayurveda gives us such an elegant complete knowledge framework so i thought it was an exciting pursuit for the rest of my life that's what brought me to ayurveda wow that is very interesting so as a continuation of what you just talked about uh, where do you then see ayurveda today uh, both in india and from a global perspective so uh, dr mahadevan from a very realist standpoint i came into this about 15 and a half years back into ayurveda it's the longest stint i've spent in a, in a in a particular endeavor right i've been in the private sector government earlier so from a realism a realistic standpoint right we have to be clear that that first of all i thought ayurveda is the shining star you know the star which will take the whole world to a new paradigm of whole person healing you know physical mental spiritual health organic wholesome good for human beings not harming all these good good attributes right the shining star which will look like but the reality is not as you know simple when you may say ayurveda is ready for the big leap right the question that we should be really asking is the tailwinds are all there or there is a favorable government in india which is really pushing there are a lot of people struggling under the pandemic and various other issues and over the last few years a lot of young people are migrating towards ayurveda but the question that still arises are we ready right are we ready so where are we looking at in india when you're looking globally i think there are many many steps to be gone through to really to make advantage and to really realize the potential of ayurveda as that shining star which will direct the entire world into a new paradigm of healthcare so uh, i want to you know my temper my optimism with realism in terms of telling that's a huge set of journeys to be involved and I, i think i can elaborate as we go along dr mahan No, but if that is the case yes uh, how do you then explain to the younger generation and to the global audience that ayurveda is an extensive knowledge system that is relevant even today well i mean i don't see a contradiction there i think that is a path to be taken dr mahadevan because when you see that to the younger generation or to any generation the the, the challenge that we really have is the the clarity of definition right what the system stands for if we are talking about validation what does that really you know constitute what are we trying to validate some people are trying to validate and we will be talking about this in different uh, you know context but the the primary reason i think there is this uh, 
gap between what we would like Ayurveda to be and what it is, is the way it has been positioned as a fairly loose system where anything goes, right? So for some, it is just an oil massage. For some, it is mere botanicals. You take three or four botanicals and that's Ayurveda. On the other hand, for some, it is a very comprehensive medical care system. And therefore, unlike modern medicine, where you may have many treatises, the number of articles which on a given topic, where there is a definitiveness as to what constitutes evidence-based, I mean, I'll put that in quotes, we can talk about it, evidence-based modern medicine. In Ayurveda, who is there to define what is evidence-based Ayurveda? Because there's no real authority. So anything goes, right? Just by virtue of experience, if I claim that I know or you know or he knows, that is not going to stand scrutiny in a global platform. So I think that's where our primary challenge is. What is that authentic, complete Ayurveda that Ayurveda was intended to be, of which there are many elements. But all I want to say, this is the path to be, I'm not at all defeatist. Otherwise, I would not be spending so many years in this particular endeavor. But I would like to say that unless we're clear about where we are going and how we're going to go there, the, the, the means and the ends, Right. If you're not clear about that, I think we continue to be confused and just going around in circles, make incremental progress, not the breakthrough progress that Ayurveda deserves. So, on a, again, a connected note, uh, what you just mentioned, uh, there is a strong voice that Ayurveda-based claims need to be substantiated through appropriate research and documentation. Okay. And what are your thoughts on that? And how can we enable this? Or if at all, do we need to enable this? Is the other question that the Ayurveda community is asking. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If you were to look at the single most important goal, you know, milestone would be to establish Ayurveda as a credible, effective, safe treatment for one, two, three medical conditions. That's the first initial milestone that one would look at. So, uh, that is eminently doable. It just needs a certain devotion of capital and the right mindsets to come together. Because um, if you look at modern medicine, the kind of billions of dollars that has been poured into doing something which has not been done in India. In India, most of the pharma companies don't do that kind of research, right? It is more of generics and, you know, uh, uh, copying things in a different, it's in a lab kind of thing. It is never clinical trials of the order that modern medicine demands. Ayurveda requires certain devotion of capital, but the, the pathway that we can clearly see for Ayurveda to, it has to do it, how it has to do, let me clarify, is with demonstrating as a whole person, Chikitsa Sampradaya, right? It cannot come and say that here is this one molecule or one medicine, here is my Trifala, here is my some Guduchadi or you know, just take one particular thing and say that this is my panacea for a, any, all persons across the world for a com complete disease. There might be one or two things like that which work, but it's not going to serve the cause of Ayurveda by any means. And which is why somebody has to take that bold stand and say, Ayurveda is this black box intervention, which is based on Desha, Kala, Agni, Ama, right, the overall uh, am I trying to do shamana treatments? Am I, because it's very important. We don't even define, am I doing symptom correction? Am I doing disease reversal? Right? It's just taken as one loose 
objective. So when I'm treating a person, am I treating the person for just symptom alleviation like modern medicine would do by giving, which is a very different uh, objective, which is to just uh, uh, do a local samprapti, local etiopathogenesis correction, or a systemic pathogenesis correction. So Ayurveda is losing its complete strength and depth if we don't go to that larger deep level. And I want to touch upon very, very important, uh, you know, historical anecdote that uh, the U.S. Secretary for Health about uh, when Obama was just limiting power. And it's quite uh, interesting that, you know, eight years back, uh, sorry, in the beginning of his Obama was assuming power and Bush was limiting power. That is, you can imagine about uh, eight uh, plus four, 12 years back, right? Yes, yeah, the Secretary of Health of the U.S. came to India and he was interviewed in the, by the Hindu and a full page op-ed article had come, right? And in that, they asked him, Mr. Secretary, what brings you to India? And the headline was given there, we are running out of ideas in the US. I've come to learn from the traditional systems of medicine of India. That's his quoted statement. There is something completely empty about what is happening today in healthcare. We need to really bring in a much more healthy, much more effective root cause uh, approach. And I, I have to touch upon this. Where do we really talk about the fact that when you talk about science, Dr. Mahadevan, you are a PhD in science, so you will appreciate this part, that if you were to talk about Ayurveda as a science, whether it is or it is not, we're talking about studying a phenomenon, studying its attributes in terms of certain measurable framework, and then postulating what this phenomenon would be after the next period of time. So I'm telling, I look at all of this and I say, this thing would become that. So I look at a rogi and I say, this guy is going to become something like this based on my prediction, but I'm going to bring in an intervention which will change the course of that and will make him to another plan. If I can make the prediction upfront and make it happen, it's science. I'm measuring before and after according to my pre-theory. Ayurveda fulfills that completely. Now, how it does, and let's be very clear, people ask about mechanism. Let's try to be very, very clear. When I'm doing symptom management, it's very, very easy to establish the mechanism because there's a target and I'm going and, tar you know, just managing that. But if I'm looking at a systemic correction where the body is healing itself, I'm enabling the conditions for the body to heal itself, it's a much more complex systemic correction happening. Now, that is posited on from an Ayurveda perspective in a very complete way, which is why we need to consider two things. One is whole system and we need to look at multi-pronged ahara, vihara, ushada, kriya. One of them is not there. So depending on the rogi roga avastha, the state of the disease in the patient, desha kala, all this that we're taking, agni. So this you take, and then how do I do the samprapti vikatan? If I don't bring in this com comprehensive paradigm of Ayurveda, we are just, you know, superficially going around and talking big, big things about Ayurveda. I mean, I make it very emphatically, if we do anything short of this, we are, we are doing, you know, injustice to this magnificent, complete knowledge framework called Ayurveda. Okay. And so that's so, what we have an opportunity. So let us talk about what you mentioned in between about the U.S. Health Secretary and what is happening today in the West. Yes. And not just the West, even the rest of the world. Um, people are increasingly dissatisfied with the current modern medicine and healthcare ecosystem. And they're looking at alternative ways to treat chronic conditions or lifestyle disorders. Okay. Yes. And 
they've started looking at traditional complementary and alternative medicines from across the world, not just Ayurveda, but across the world, they're looking at Chinese medicine and so on, right? So at this time, what does the Ayurveda community need to do to establish itself in this new emerging paradigm of healthcare? It's a, that's a very important question, Dr. Mahadevan, not only in the US, but everywhere, right? Because if you look at how this healthcare uh, sector itself is positioned, is at one level you have the the concept of healthcare is an ambulance with a red light running. I take a person there and I do some emergency intervention, right? But that constitutes only less than one third or less than twenty percent of the total healthcare demand. So you have this entire spectrum of healthcare demand, which starts from an expectant mother to an ostensibly healthy, that is primal prevention, to an ostensibly healthy person walking on the road. How do I ensure he does not fall ill? He still is young. How do I make a healthy person? That's primary prevention. And then the most important thing, which is secondary prevention, at the beginning of a disease, how do I prevent it from becoming an acute emergency when I rush to a modern medicine hospital? So secondary prevention and then rehabilitation, tertiary prevention. Now. When modern medicine, the private sector is focused almost entirely on tertiary and quaternary care, what, and the government is doing some bit of primary health care, which is a huge gap, right? Of course, the government of India has announced Ayushman Bharat, the Ayushman wells, you know, wellness centers, etc. Big gaps there. Ayurveda's positioning very clearly is to complement in this manner, not as a weak, uh, you know, country bumpkin cousin, but as a strong intelligent, much more powerful player, which is able to do that which precedes emergency care and succeeds emergency care, right? Modern medicine being very good, very strong in that, you know, when everything fails, I have to bring in modern medicine and save the person. Everything else Ayurveda can do. That's the positioning. Why that? What do I mean? Beginning, and let's be very clear, the pharma industry, which you know is just, a, it sucks people, you know, through their life, right? So if I'm a diabetic for life, I've got to be, you know, taking those medicines or thyroid and so on. That is what is serving the secondary prevention market. Ayurveda can go and treat at the root cause, prevent the progression of disease, restore well-being. So Ayurveda has got a huge use case, economic case. And from a consumer angle, if this message goes out that when you've got emergency needs, rush to the modern hospital for everything else comes forward. That's what we need to tell even in our own country. But we need to have clear vision whereby we are able to deliver on this promise of Ayurveda. Right? So yeah. Ayurveda doctors today uh, are present in the allopathy primary health centers prescribing allopathy medicines. That is a tragedy of it all. That is one thing happening. And the other uh, thing is uh, the demand for Ayurvedic herbs like ashwagandha, guduchi, trifala, turmeric, tulsi, yeah. that is increasing worldwide. People are thinking, hey, these are herbs that I can start taking and they want to buy yeah. these herbs. And that is the demand that definitely is increasing. And I don't know how India is positioned to cater to this demand or if there are there policy makers doing anything about it. But that is one segment which I see growing actually. Well, I would say, Dr. Mahadevan, that the fact of the matter, there's a National Medicinal Plan Board. It's now headed by a person who's worked in the private sector, who's very knowledgeable, and he's Dr. Shastri. 
So uh, the, the government of India in the recent post-COVID uh, policy formulation had announced some programs to uh, 4 lakh hectares of, you know, very large uh, hectare to be devoted to medicinal plant cultivation, through that to generate employment, etc. So that has been taken very seriously by the NMPB. It has forged alliances with industry for buyback arrangements. So I see a very, and in the context of the agriculture bill that the government of India has recently uh, passed through ordinance route, uh, we are going to see the ability to grow medicinal plants is going to be unlocked, right? That is happening. Having said that, a strong word of caution, Ayurveda is not these five herbs, Ashwagandha, NAPCD, right? Ayurveda is a bunch of so many classical medicines. You take any medicine, it's got 15 ingredients. Ayurveda can never come back to its glory and can never be that solution or new paradigm unless we go back to those classical medicines. I make it very strong. The, the patent medicines are being done by people who want to promote their brand and their this thing. Good for them. I have no complaints there. But I think if you look at from a pure Ayurveda angle, we have to understand that the generics, the medicines were designed in a way, right, to be complete, right? Over thousands of years, it's been brought. And I'm not one of those caught like Pushpak Puman guys, right? We are very clear that these medicines have come, evolved over a period of time into what they are as very clear principles applied into the design. The Vaishya Kalpana is and the Dravyaguna principles brought in are very, very systematic. And to imagine that, you know, an ordinary human brain in one or two years telling that I am applying some modern chemical techniques. And I know you are an expert in the, the chemistry side of things as well. But can we need to bring in value addition, but not replace it by these shortcuts. So I will say we need to have a strategy across the board, look at all the plants which are critical. So for example, I heard Ashoka, right? Ashoka, there's a huge gap in the availability of Ashoka, that the bark of that, which is used in many of the kashayas. So whatever is produced in the country today, the kashayas and the other products, the quantity of Ashoka bark produced is not sufficient to be there. Obviously there's adulteration or there is not enough uh, ingredients being put into those medicines. But in the next five to 10 years, I believe there'll be enough Ashoka planted to ensure that we have enough supply. So that kind of focus strategy to serve the generic medicine demand, not today, but of the future is very much required. But on a related note, what is also happening is this pharma-based approach of taking these herbs and trying to identify maybe the next artemisinin. And I don't think that is a good idea or it's going to be effective and scalable. And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, it is scalable to the extent that an artemisinin is something which is useful for malaria. So therefore, it's got a very wide application across the world, right? Now, whether it works for everybody does not, I mean, I've not gone into the very specifics of that, but it does, obviously, uh, there is a basis for it. While we look at these type of single drug extracts or single herb extracts and Ottamulis and stuff like that, that's a big market, no doubt, right? It's much bigger today. But if I look at it from an Ayurveda perspective, what good does it do for Ayurveda? It is just a short-term approach. It cannot be serving the need of, forget, you know, it's not about doing what is good for Ayurveda. It is what is doing good for the people of the 
world of the country unless ayurveda is able to come in its full form that i am able to treat parkinsonism stroke rehabilitation muscular dystrophy hashimotos thyroiditis jogren syndrome you know uitis diabetic retinopathies the entire spectrum of mainstream pre acute post acute emergency care or pre emergency post emergency medical care if you're not able to look at it that level we have a situation where we will be condemned to look at these single drug thing and we must fight it and with by an awareness campaign so just as you spoke about it we all should be speaking that this is not the way that ayurveda should be taken forward ayurveda is much more complete it's a chikitsa sampradaya not an aushadha sampradaya because even the right medicine right in the wrong place or the wrong guy may create a problem you know it is not like uh, paracetamol being given for fever where i'm treating the only the symptom of the uh, the, the the fever right so uh, jwara as we know in ayurveda how deeply it would be looked at so uh, so if we move from yeah. single herbs to polyherbal or you know ayurvedic preparations which have yeah. many ingredients so on a related note so you are chair of the confederation of indian industry or the cii ayurveda yeah. group uh so there is a lot of voice heard related to manufacturing in ayurveda and how the quality control and standardization of these polyherbal formulations need to be improved and need to meet global standards how do you think the industry is reacting to this and will we see a change in the way these uh, polyherbal formulations or other formulations are being manufactured and exported very important uh, point dr mahadevan so my uh, my view on this is first of all industry serves to fulfill the minimum requirement as defined by government is the first thing that's the minimum bar right government regulations determine the level to which industry responds typically so what is happening is that the government of india recently has now constituted has brought in more definitive uh, you know apart from the ayurveda pharmacopoeia of india and formulary of india it's now set up a drug testing lab central reference lab so that any product which is launched in the market or which is there in the market should periodically be tested at this reference lab which is being set up or has been set up in noida in delhi etc right and there's a drugs controller exclusively for ayurveda so they're bringing in that quality aspect into the whole matter having said that i feel that the the specifications for ayurveda are fairly ayurveda products let me tell first uh, if you look at products itself again you have to understand there is a domestic market there is an international market there are products for human consumption there are products for veterinary consumption there are for agriculture uh, use so depending on that there are different standards which apply so if i'm sending to the us i need to comply with very much tighter you know lead content and then other other type of adulterants etc in the and there is an ayush mark which has been defined by the government of india many years back right about 8 years back or so uh, on ayush mark required for exporting many of these products but in india that is not required that stringent uh, requirement and therefore the bulk of these 7500 active manufacturers across the country who are gmp certified right may be not having they have this complying with the bare minimum gmp thing do they and then they would say that we have a challenge in terms of the costs of products going up therefore we need to bring a concept of higher value 
but safe totally safe ayurveda products that's my personal submission industry has to move towards that government has to move towards that and rather than talk only about cost because if you were to look at if the demand for ayurveda grows the cost can actually come down today where people are fighting to get into a certain market and dominated by a few big companies the rest of the guys what are happening is that the price is fixed by the bigger guys smaller guys have a lower cost burden but they want to somehow retain the profit margin so they can't invest in that quality so the only way out on the product side is to put a higher value higher quality regimen for ayurveda products so that people know i'm spending one and a half times my current price but i get completely you know quality certified ayurveda products number one number two there is a new emerging ayurveda ahara standard being brought out by ministry of ayush and i applaud that because there is a huge nebulousness between what is a functional food or just some ayurveda uh, just uh, any food and i can call anything as ayurveda product any food right and what is actually authentically made in terms of a ayurveda principles being applied right mm-hmm. so the guidelines for that which i think is long overdue and i hope that happens uh, very quickly so that's the food part the third part we're talking about the services and this we cannot ignore because unless you bring quality to services ayurveda products are always to be mostly they are prescription products otc products are only one small category so the big chunk of ayurveda products is to be our prescription products and while people want the quick looker of making money on the otc market that's not going to grow ayurveda as a sector you got to look at the high value prescription products which are going to come out and build this market and prescription means doctors it means a clinical facility which means you need doctors who are trained to do what has to be done they follow processes documentation right and the entirety of the patient care process has to be captured so therefore i go back quality in healthcare one good thing has been nabh in india national accreditation board for hospitals under the quality council of india 95 or 96 ayush hospitals have been certified under it but i think there's a long way to go because i think we need to tighten even services standards in ayurveda but good thing is we have made progress from where we were 5 7 years back oh okay so let's just uh, switch gears uh, to more popular opinion uh, that ayurveda is actually well on its way to becoming the next yoga even our prime minister modi recently said after yoga the world will accept the benefits of ayurveda yeah so what aspects of ayurveda do you see people adopting uh, in the households in their day to day lives uh, be it here or globally around the world i i think the first is that there is a lack of clarity what ayurveda has to offer is it a system of wellness slash well being is it a system of disease reversal right is it only products is it grandma's remedies there are different views and it's like cricket you know everybody has got a view on cricket and why you know dhoni should retire or not retire everybody has got a view similarly on ayurveda everybody ram sham tom dick harry has a view and that's great for ayurveda but that leads to a lot of confusion and in the process i think the next yoga is fraught with big question mark right and risk because whether ayurveda should be the next yoga or should it be a little bit more uh, a controlled growth or expansion right not that one can control but i'm just trying to say but is that some type of boundaries 
Ayurveda, yoga has a certain advantage, as all of us know, that all you need to do is to roll out a mat and have a certain protocol and then anybody can practice. Ayurveda, on the other hand, is a lot more complex. You need to look at people who, can, who know anatomy, physiology, pharmacology, right? They spend, I mean, I would go so far to tell people spend five and a half years in a BMS program or four years in a BTEC program of engineering or a five and a half MBBS program. Most uh, genuine doctors will tell you, you know nothing when you pass out, right? We take a lot of years of actual practice where we apply these principles and then we become mature in the practice of the science. Today, if you're going to allow just anybody with a very short course, with no practical experience, well-meaning, I should clarify that very clearly, well-meaning, well-intended human beings, but without the rigor of a formal training or formal education, we are going to dilute Ayurveda. And not just that, we're going to play with the health of patients. There is, in the name of Ayurveda, so many things happening across the world that anybody, like the old compounder, you know, who could mix medicines in Indian pharmacies and give you, like that, Ayurveda is the danger, runs the risk of going into that. So I would say, we therefore, with responsibility, appropriate for the different stages, we could look at a graded evolution in certain geographies, look at it as a more external treatment-focused approach for Purva Karmas, which will bring well-being at the temporary level. But I think when it is getting into the matter of disease reversal, patient management, disease, all that rest of that, we need to bring in a little bit tighter regulation. It's wonderful if you open colleges where people can do BMS programs abroad. So we should fight for that, not dilute the standards of Ayurveda. Third part, I would just say what is wonderful for Ayurveda is the values of Ayurveda, empowering the individual, right? The wholesome man in relation to one's environment, man or woman in relation to one's environment. That the, the the deep abiding values of a human being self-aware and living uh, in internal harmony and in harmony with the dynamically changing environment. Such enormously significant values needs to be propounded, taken to the whole world. And I think the world is hungry. And this is actually uh, borne out in the fact that the people who come to Ayurveda today are the young. Unlike what most people think, you know, that this is for meant for geriatrics, what we see is 25 to 35 year olds are the biggest chunk. And in fact, on LinkedIn, I was so glad to see two days back, a 12th standard student in Noida coming out on LinkedIn and telling, I am an Ayurveda yoga lover, I want to do this thing. So today we are seeing, I just last week I did a program for teenagers and, uh, you know, across multiple cities, all very keen to look at what is a different way to look at one's life itself. And Ayurveda, as you know, is the knowledge, the self-knowledge, the awareness of how to lead a long life, a life of fulfillment. And I think that's a theme that will echo and which will resonate with the people of the world. So Ayurveda can do a lot, but we should do it without diluting or compromising its core values. So you're essentially saying that Ayurveda is more than a system of wellness and it needs to be adopted carefully for disease reversal and well-being across the world. So, I mean, I'll give you one example here. In the US, the data shows that for a person who suffers a cerebral, cerebral CVA, cerebral vascular accident or a stroke, paralytic stroke, the cost during the acute emergency period and the cost post that in rehabilitation, right, where insurance bears it, is five times. The rehabilitation phase causes them five times the cost of the main thing. Ayurveda 
at a fraction of that cost can do a proper rehabilitation with a appropriately integrated physiotherapist, occupational therapist, speech therapist, bring it in together at a fraction of the cost, you achieve much better results. But what do we have today? So I just want to tell, are we just talking about wellness, which means nothing to anything, like a Thai massage, a Swedish massage? Or are we talking that word wellness is so fraught again with danger because it, to most people it means that some temporary transient feeling. Ayurveda is much, much more than that. We should never attach the word wellness at all to Ayurveda. If at all the word well-being, which is physical, mental, spiritual, ekagrita, integral human being, integral health, that, that's the concept we need to go with. It's uh, interesting that you talked about an example of stroke. Uh, actually, my wife has actually recently published a paper which compares uh, stroke outcomes by modern medicine versus Ayurveda and has shown that the outcomes are very comparable uh, with Ayurveda. So it's, it's, it's true. I actually. have a slight, a slight point uh, to make here, Dr. Mahadevan. Most of the studies that are done to the detriment of Ayurveda show their comparable results. <laughs> My point, very emphatically, if it is done correctly in Ayurveda, Ayurveda will be superior by far. <laughs> so, right. I, I will take that. And in fact, on a related note, so we are indeed in strange uh, times. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you for the role <laughs> that Ayurveda has to play in the current COVID-19 pandemic. So, uh, I was fortunate to be one among the few people from the Ayurveda sector asked to interact with the Honorable Prime Minister of India on the 28th or 29th of March, right? immediately after the lockdown was pronounced. At that time itself, we said, I had suggested to the Honorable Prime Minister that rather than a one-size-fits-all, we should look at a stratified approach to COVID intervention. Not everybody is going to be uniformly at risk of developing the complicated symptoms. Ayurveda would offer a very good framework in which we are able to stratify, right? Without doing blood tests and knowing whose immunity, with just by looking at what is his IgG levels or some other, uh, you know, vitamin levels or whatever, and to posit the immunity, to look at it from a whole person level, Agni, Ama, and, uh, you know, Amatvam in the body, and then overall, his state of mind, Nidra, the classical well-being parameters of Ayurveda, right? Nidra, Agni, Malamutra, Manas, Sojas, Indriyas, right? You take all of these, you're able to look at a whole person model. But can I stratify? And if we do that, so why I'm bringing this up, 80% of the people, this is a self-limited disease, mm -hmm. right? Whether we do Ayurveda or allopathy, it's a very good chance that it will pass off by itself for a big chunk of the people, right? A symptomatic mild moderate. Mm -hmm. The opportunity for Ayurveda was and is, how do we impact the health of the 20%, which goes to that, the hyperinflammation phase and the septic shock phase, mm -hmm. right? Septicemia, septic shock phase, that 20%. Unfortunately, we have not been allowed to apply Ayurveda in that particular 20%, where, you know, if we had been given the chance, millions, thousands of lives, right? 100,000 lives, maybe over a million lives, we could have had some impact. So it's tragic. So what is Ayurveda's role in the pandemic? Let me put it like this. One is prevention. When we look at prevention, a stratified, focused approach, not a one-size-fits-all, 
which you know does not change from one season to another what is appropriate for this season what i given rajasthan is not what i given kerala what i given odisha is not what i given gujarat they are different places different seasons so we need to look at that and then even within the odisha there are different types of people so ayurveda gives a personalized approach number one on the disease mitigation so the kerala government came out with prevention mitigation rehabilitation i quickly want to tell mitigation was a strong area for ayurveda because what it allowed us is that as an add on therapy at least as an add on therapy we could show that the progression of the disease has been curtailed but even as a standalone treatment wherever it has been done and i want to applaud the government on one very very important thing that they have done during this pandemic they have thought in terms of scale right mm-hmm. so large number of people whether 80000 people in one trial in delhi police or in madhya pradesh with many uh, million people you know they i think 20 uh, uh, 20 million people or 30 million sorry much more it's actually 50 million large number of madhya pradesh families got that universal intervention so i just wanted to say government of india for the first time brought in that concept of scale right which is very important for ayurveda that it is not le- left to a small thing and that i sincerely applaud the government for doing that i hope that the evidence collection which has gone along with that is robust enough so that we can come and show and i hear very good you know pre news that it's going to be very positive so i hope that that is going to be the case so ayurveda will move towards a mainstreaming part which is at the final part i think apart from prevention mitigation and just two days back the standalone protocol has been approved by the government of india which i uh, feel has to be made more flexible so that uh, other hospitals and other care providers would like to go back to the slightly deeper level of ayurveda treatment can do that and finally covid rehabilitation which is going to be a big big opportunity for ayurveda to come because globally we know a lot of people with residual symptoms physical mental and virtually spiritual because they completely shattered right and the us knows it more than anywhere else india too the same issues are there which linger for many months ayurveda has got a huge role to play there and i hope that a very clear communication can go out from the government we see a determination and a commitment and i hope that that will also be translated to very focused action dr mahan thank you that was very useful and i think we are Uh, running out of time but i do need to ask you some rapid fire questions so yes you are part of the team promoting the ayurveda day celebrations anchored by india foundation yes so what is the intention behind this and what would you like to see from the global community see first of all i think the 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 fact that uh, we are acknowledging i mean before we get into celebrating ayurveda day we are acknowledging recognizing the warriors of ayurveda the ambassadors of ayurveda bringing them and connecting them into one community because as each person in a distant geography battles on there are people very eminent allopathy physicians who have come into ayurveda out of a sheer conviction right intuition 20 years they have struggled to establish it in their geography all of them are doing a you know silent service to their community but through ayurveda we need mm-hmm. to first of all bring them together unity strength that is one part right concatenate into a garland of ayurveda across the globe right so the the uh, the, the the fragrance of ayurveda the goodness of ayurveda is unified and then spread number one number two i would say that the the values of ayurveda we need to celebrate which is as i have told earlier 
the the underlying goodness you know that wholesome whole person life cycle environment friendly organic uh, veget vegetarian uh, when i said not vegetarian always but let's put it as uh, non chemical you know it's chemical ultimately but in terms of non synthetic let's put it that way all these values which spring there well being and disease reversal these values which come together but we are also celebrating the people right so it's uh, acknowledging and then celebrating the people but i want to complete by telling we are looking at global awareness of what ayurveda authentic ayurveda can do and take it to the people of india and the world eventually so that the people of the world demand ayurveda as a system is not just for india but it's for the world and we need to acknowledge it as a global or a world ayurveda day that's the ultimate goal that this whole movement is committed to that the true abiding values of ayurveda are subsumed are internalized by the people of the world through these worthy ambassadors representing ayurveda in distant parts of the world and we make a world ayurveda day possible okay that is that is very noble and amazing so uh, if i may ask where do you see ayurveda in 20 30 maybe 10 years from now okay uh, i would be very happy if in india firstly right the primary health system gives a pure ayurveda proper medical care right in kerala except where we have that but sometimes medicines may not be available completely but a proper primary health care system based on ayurveda across the country right so we have put the seed in terms of the ayush wellness centers which 12500 is the first lot i see that becoming across the country 150000 ayush wellness centers numbers number 2 in tertiary care quaternary care proper in the mainstream tertiary ayurveda care we should be able to have proper hospitals across every district so i would imagine in 10 years every district in india having a proper ayurveda hospital we produce 25000 doctors every year today all of them should by choice you know the vision would be the best and the brightest coming out from uh, school graduation high school graduation we'll say i want to come to ayurveda's first choice today it is second choice we should come to ayurveda as first choice and say that this is the best way to serve my community and to earn a very you know good living and number 3 to earn the respect of my community right so all this is what to serve to earn respect and to earn a good living all of this people attract the good people of this country and internationally i hope that at least in all the continents we have proper functioning pure ayurveda uh, principle you know the proof of concept happening uh, distant goal is when the us if they could i mean yesterday i was reading an article in the atlantic on how the osteopathy as a system evolved you know and if you look there are some similarities between osteopathy and ayurveda somewhere you know if you go into the if osteopathy could be recognized in the us something which is much much more rigorous like ayurveda i would be optimistic enough to say perhaps we have a chance in the next 10 years to establish a full blown proper ayurveda hospital with proper ayurveda chikitsa in the heart of the us right without hiding no dietary supplements proper ayurveda medicines proper ayurveda doctors everything happening well i also wish that would definitely happen over the next 10 years and i think it's possible and uh, i do hope that uh, it comes to fruition and lastly is there anything else you would like to add before we close this conversation see i i think uh, the 
the point i would say is that all of us who are true lovers of ayurveda everybody who is listening to this right or members of uh, love ayurveda we all need to have a vision of where ayurveda needs to be what it is where it should be that vision should be a shared vision so that we own that vision right if it's a chikitsa sampradaya so it's not just one you know single drug here one massage there one loose thing what is that vision right ayurveda serving the people of the world right as a mainstream system of health and well being number 2 and so we have to get that common vision number 2 we have to focus on human resource development unless the quality of people coming to ayurveda are really top class because ayurveda see we are the brightest going to modern medicine right we need to get the brightest also to come to ayurveda because ayurveda is a little bit more complicated than modern medicine right because modern medicine once i've got to a particular level then it is within my speciality narrow speciality i have to just treat that part and i can become an expert only in that ayurveda requires a whole person approach i have to know modern medicine for differential diagnosis for using the tools of modern medicine i have to know ayurveda in depth i this much requires tremendous intellectual power and therefore we have to attract the best talent to get the best talent there is to be a vision there has to be this vision of you can earn well you can be proud you can be a global ambassador right so it's like people don't go and learn sanskrit because you say there's no future but actually a good sanskrit scholar right he will be welcome anywhere in the world to any top university because he's got the quality of mind and that's what i think we need to tell for ayurveda third part is scale and fourth is value ayurveda needs to look at serving at millions of people level not yeah, there was a report which came last week 89% of indian household use some ayurveda product now this could be viko vajranti toothpaste could be some dabar something you don't know what is this ayurveda right mm-hmm. we need to get 89% of households using ayurveda in the value system in their understanding in the products that they use in the services they avail of right and that's when scale will come and that's when the value of ayurveda will come up and i want to put a very very important point unnecessary surgeries unnecessary diagnostics unnecessary steroids unnecessary painkillers right a healthcare system which is built on driving these wrong things instead of that ayurveda which will posit it on true values good values right where you can practice an ethical healthcare system that is a paradigm that ayurveda can deliver to the people of the world so i think that value will come from that and uh, that is the optimism that we should retain in the future in the present and the future of ayurveda thank you rajiv ji for the inspiring conversation and uh, thank you all for listening please do tune in to world ayurveda podcast to listen to many other similar conversations and uh, namaste thank you dr mahadevan